0: Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. This is the second show in our You Won't Believe What We Have Seen series in partnership with SQA Services. I hope you are enjoying this series as much as I am because I am telling you, I am learning a lot. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about saving lives. What does that mean and what is the effect on supply chain? Well, let me give you a sneak peek before I introduce you to our guests for today we will be talking about counterfeit drugs and shadow factories the importance of factory cleanliness current covid challenges and even our effects on our animals health as well so welcome to the show mike and martin
1: hi sarah hi sarah it's great to be here today
0: so for those that don't know you, Mike, let's start with you. Tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the one thing you found the most surprising in technology?
2: Yeah, thanks, Sarah. My name is Mike McKay. I'm CEO of SQA Services, a company I started at 26 years old back in 1995. And one of the most amazing things that I've seen in technology is a program we're involved with with a company called AeroVironment. And they manufacture drones for our soldiers and our allies around the world. We work with two units in particular, uh, a Puma, which is a handheld drone that is launched with the soldier throwing it up in the air. That, that drone takes a flight and it can see people as far as 20 miles away. It can uh, determine if they have a mustache or not. It's crazy the technology going on out there. We also work with a unit called the Switchblade where the soldier can launch a drone out of a backpack to do the very same thing. So uh, crazy stuff out there. We're involved in, uh, you know, defending our soldiers and a lot of exciting things. So in the world of tech, that, that ranks pretty high.
0: And I can't wait to hear more about that in the episode. And Martin, why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the one thing you wish more people knew about how supply chains are saving lives?
1: Yeah, thank you, Sarah. My name is Martin Van Triest. I've been in the pharmaceutical industry for almost 40 years now. I graduated college as a pharmacist and started my career at Abbott Laboratories as a formulation pharmacist, then moved into a manufacturing environment. And finally, I was the head of quality for the hospital products division of Abbott. And that took 21 years out of my career. And then I left Abbott and I went to Bear Healthcare to be their head of quality for the Global Biological Products Group. And then I joined Amgen, where I was their chief quality officer. And I retired from Amgen in 2016. And, uh, and thoroughly enjoyed retirement. And one day an opportunity came my way to be the CEO of a company called Civica Rx. And uh, we'll probably get a little more into that later, but it has to do with what I'd wish more people knew. Uh, when you have quality drugs that are available when patients need to be treated, they save lives. But most Americans probably don't know that today over 250 drugs are on drug shortage and listed on the FDA's website on drug shortages. And these are very critical drugs, many of them used in a hospital on a daily basis to save patients' lives. And so I just wish more Americans knew that because they need to be part of the solution to solve the drug shortage crisis in the United States.
0: Absolutely. And I think that that's that's a really great point. I mean, it's not something that we learn about every single day, but it's also a critical part or a critical role that supply chains really play in that. So then let's get started. Mike, Why we want to talk about what kinds of companies you and SQA are working with in the life sciences industry.
2: Yeah, thanks, Sarah. We've been working with companies like Amgen, Abbott Labs, Merck, Pfizer. Johnson and Johnson, and recently some COVID-related companies, COVID vaccine-related companies like Gilead. So uh, we currently have contracts with 18 of the 20 um, top med pharma companies out there. So we have a lot of experience working with a lot of uh, different organizations within the vertical.
0: And then Martin, how are you? And how are you working with the SQA team?
1: So I met Mike and his team, oh, probably very early in the launch of their company, probably somewhere around 20 years ago when I worked at Abbott Laboratories as the head of quality. And um, I asked Mike to come and give me a proposal to do 2,000 audits in a 12-month period of time. And uh, he put the, get- the uh, together a very... Good proposal. That one got rid of my backlog in unmet audit needs, but also also at such a reasonable price, I could never i could save a lot of money. And so I met Mike and his team back then. And when I left Abbott and went to Bear, I asked SQA to be a, a vendor for Bear. And then when I went to Amgen, I did the same thing again. And over those twenty years, I've become um enamored in their business model but more importantly I grew to respect mike and his team so much and and I trust them and and that's something that takes a long time to build and over the years mike and I have actually become friends
0: Absolutely. And I know back in episode one, Mike, you and I spoke about how important the team was and you really told us the story behind how you built that team and just hearing what Martin has to say about how you guys have worked together and and what you've been able to do for him and supporting him in the roles that he's played throughout his journey is amazing. So kudos to you and the team over at SQA um, for that because that really shows a lot of, you know, qu- I want to say quality because we're talking about quality, but it really is about quality all around. And so, let's talk about quality. You know, it's so important when it comes to patient safety. How are you in SQA saving lives? I mean, that's the title of this episode. Let's really dive in and talk about how it really is such a critical component
2: Yeah, uh, you know, so for 25 years, we've been working with companies and coming up with a customized way to, to meet their needs. And you heard Martin elaborate a little bit on some of the challenges, you know, getting all the audit work done on time and in faraway places involving, you know, different cultures. And so when I started the company, the first year, all I did is recruit fantastic quality assurance people. Around the world, so that I had a product to offer industry. And uh, early, early on, thankfully, Martin came along and really gave me some fantastic tips. And you know, his high demands with those impeccable organizations drove us to to do things uh, more efficiently and better overall. But when we get into saving lives, how that works, you know, the FDA will get out there. Something happens they're looking at a large organization saying you really need to do these things, or there could be punitive elements affecting your organization. And many times organizations of that magnitude, they, they need a third party. They need somebody to be an extension of their organization and to help. So, you know, with, with Martin and other customers, you know, we've been asked, Hey, can you do 600 audits in 10 months in 26 countries? Cause if you can, boy, do we have a project for you. And in doing so, we've seen amazing things out there. We have seen shadow factories. We've seen show factories. Uh, we've seen some things that are really alarming. And to be quite frank, um, you know, you look at these things going into the human body, you know, drugs that we take, it really has to be of the, the highest, highest quality. And I was a little bit um, shaken at early phases of some of the things we saw out there being a third party for our OEM customers in in the vertical.
0: Amazing. And doing that many audits in in one year, I mean, I don't know too much about that space, but that sounds like a lot.
2: It sure is. It's It's a heavy endeavor. It starts with the customer saying, you know, what checklist do you want to get together? What what are we going to put together? What data are we gathering? And then we usually have to get our team of auditors together for a lot of uh, training, you know, pre-audit calls to make sure all of our audit team members around the world understand uh, what, they're, what they're going to do, how quickly it needs to be done, and how important the data is to get to our customer as soon as possible. Uh, there's a lot of logistical items going on in the background, and... Uh, we're proud to to you know to do that very efficiently.
0: Well, and that kind of leads me to my next question because you say that there's a lot of logistics in the background. I know that a lot of the audience are supply chain professionals, you know, listening to this and and hearing what's involved when with quality and audits and and what SQA is doing but why is this work so important to you and you know how can supply chain professionals get a little bit more involved i don't know if martin you want to jump in here or if mike you want to take this and, and martin can can jump in afterwards
2: yeah you know it, it's it's so important because it's it's a need that um you know it, it's never going away these different companies and their respective r&d departments they specialize in making better drugs to save human lives. They don't necessarily always specialize in having a cadre of professionals available in foreign countries at a moment's notice and to save a lot of time and money in getting that activity done. So Martin mentioned earlier that you know, in saving that money, that that money, um, you know, can go right to saving lives because organizations can specialize more in, in 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 what they do well. And I'm not—I don't mean to convey that our customers don't perform, you know, audits well. But sometimes letting a specialist in that field handle that uh, that part of the business frees up their people to to do things that are even more important for patient safety.
0: Yeah, and not only that, but there's a lot of moving parts in supply chain, and so I've always said that collaboration is the future of business, and this is just one example of that. Would you agree with that, Martin? And what, what would you say about how supply chain professionals can get more involved?
1: Well, yeah, I I think uh, as Mike and yourself has mentioned, you know, it's not just outsourcing an activity such as auditing or inspecting or a person in the plant. These are things I've used Mike's firm for in the past. Um, you can't just outsource it, right? The logistics behind it, the information sharing is so important. What am I looking for? What's the data set? What am I concerned about? Where you need to do a deep dive? What What What's their data been in the past on... What I've bought from them. So it's a very interactive process. And I think one of the greatest values, especially on foreign inspections, is they understand the culture, the language in the country. They don't need translators. They speak in the native tongue and dialect. And so there's nothing lost in translation. And so I think that's really an important fact of what the services that Mike offers. But you do audits. You know, I always said an audit is to keep the honest people honest. And when we get into what a shadow factory is, this is completely different skill set to find them than the ones we would use to do a good manufacturing practice audit because they're trying to be deceptive. And so you need a different skill set to detect those. And Mike has developed a cadre of people that have that forensic auditing skill that can look for those things that might be where people are being deceptive and so when somebody's made um, in a sh- what we call the the shadow factory instead of the nice and shiny brand new show factory they're usually cutting corners and they're unethical in their approach to doing business so that's in a lot of places where counterfeit drugs originate, substandard medicines, and even even medicines that have been contaminated with hazardous materials. So, I mean, that's the part that uh, is so valuable about Mike's team and their skill set, but why it's valuable to the, the company that is contracting with, with an auditing firm.
0: Right. Well, how would you describe a shadow factory? Can we, can we just um, get a get an idea of what exactly that term means?
1: Sure. I, I've, um, I've seen them. I've experienced them. I've read about them. I'm surprised they're not in any movies. So in 2007, there was an intentional adulteration of heparin where it was adulterated with an other chemical intentionally to get an economic gain. And that other chemical, when it was tested in a laboratory, looked like the heparin, tested like the heparin, uh, felt like the heparin, but in reality, it wasn't heparin. And it led to the deaths of over 100 Americans And more, more, more individuals around the world. And so when the FDA started to go around inspecting these plants in China, they would go to these beautiful, beautiful, shiny stainless steel facilities that were brand new. But when they started poking at the records, they said that this facility didn't buy enough electricity or water or raw materials. To make as much heparin that they said was going out their facility. And so uh, an additional investigation by other experts led them to find what they call the shadow factory, which was very old, open to the outside environment, lots of uh, potential contamination, filthy facility, and they weren't making quality material. So, so that's just one example of how they use a shadow in a show factory.
0: Wow, that is incredible. I, You're right. They don't talk about that enough because I definitely have not heard about that. But that is one of the reasons why we're here today and doing this series because you won't believe what SQA and um, their respective partners have seen. So Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you because I want to hear some more of these horror stories. What have you witnessed on your path to quality control when it comes to saving lives?
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, Martin just talked about shadow factories. There's also show factories and it's a little bit different where, you know, our auditor might walk into, in this particular uh, uh, incident, it was uh, in China and he walked in and the the factory just lacked the hum of a true factory. A, A true auditor can walk in and, and, And and they they can understand the environment. They've been in and out of facilities their whole lives. And so our auditor walked over to a drum, lift up, lift up the top of the drum and looked in and still saw the laminates on the inside of a, of a, you know, steel drum proving that no product had ever been going in there. So, and then through a translator, hey, can you explain this? They say, oh, oh, uh, so you really wanted to see where we make the product. Well, that's, that's 10 miles away, we can take you there. So it's a ruse. Uh, They want to, they hope that you're going to go in there and check the boxes and then deliver a report. But, you know, let's face it, that kind of, um, you know, that kind of behavior is just, it's, it's just jaw dropping. And so we see things like that. And it's not just in the Far East, we've seen a variety of things that are, are very, very eye-opening. Some I can't mention due to legal reasons, but uh, it's, it's you know, in our 25 years of experience, we've had some real jaw-droppers.
0: It sounds like it. And it sounds like, you know, it's definitely something that you've obviously got to keep on top of because we're talking about human lives, when when we're talking about saving lives and we're talking about you know the healthcare system and um, the drugs and 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 things like that. So Martin, I want to turn it over to you because we have heard a lot. I mean, obviously with this pandemic that is happening. Currently, it has been happening. It looks like it might be happening a little bit into the future as well. And you are well known in the medical field. So what have been your thoughts around what has been happening on supply and demand during the last pandemic or during the pandemic as it is right now?
1: So I think you have to look at this from two perspectives. One is medicines that are have patents on them and patent protection and no competition. And so very rarely does a company that has a patented product experience so much of an increase in demand that it can't meet the market need. And that's because they put processes and systems in place that create uh, inventories to handle such a surge in demand They have redundancy in their manufacturing network and maybe even additional contract manufacturing capability to handle surges in demand. But what you see also, though, is in the generic drug industry, when you see big surges in demand, that we have more drug shortages of essential medicines. And that's because the financial situation around generics is so different than a patented product that the price on generics has gotten so low that people have to do things to reduce their cost of manufacturing. Right. Which which means you move your supply chain to foreign countries, usually with less regulatory oversight that we experience in the Western world. There's lots of players in the middle, so lots of middlemen. So your supply chain becomes very long and very complex and very fragile. And then at the same time, you're using just-in-time inventory techniques so that you don't keep inventory, which costs money to keep your costs down. So you have a long, complex, and fragile supply chain, You are doing just-in-time inventory, so you'll have no uh, surge capacity in inventory. And you have no redundancy in your manufacturing network because all of that costs extra money. And you're trying to keep the costs as low as possible to make some form of profit. So when, when you get a surge or if something breaks in the supply chain, it leads to a pretty rapid drug shortage of these very critical medicines, you know, if you think about COVID-19 and when a patient gets so bad, they go into the ICU, they have to be ventilated on a ventilator. And so the first part of ventilation is they have to, you know, induce the cath, the, the breathing tube down into your throat, which requires them to intubate you. And they need neuromuscular blocking agents to relax the muscles in your throat. They need pain control medicines because it's a very uncomfortable procedure. And then when you switch from being intubated to be on the ventilator, again, pain medicines, um, sleeping agents, local, you know, anesthetics. And all of those were on shortage during the peak of COVID-19 because there wasn't the surge capacity to cover the big increase in demand. And so really life-saving drugs and life-sustainable drugs are the ones that, because of these long, complex, and fragile supply chains, are the ones at the greatest risk of not being available when patients need to be treated.
0: Wow, that's an incredible story. And I'm sure giving the audience quite a bit of insight that obviously we don't get through, you know, mainstream news and different things like that. Mike, did you want to jump in here? I know you said at the top of the episode that you've been working with, with companies recently during the COVID challenges as well. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, we have so much pride you know when uh, in our previous episode i was talking to you about aerospace and what it looks like when you know i'm driving home and spacex rockets are flying across the sky in a similar capacity you know with all the challenges going on right now that we're facing as an organization people working remotely it's a huge morale boost when we all see one of our customers um you know, involved in something where the Dow Jones jumps up 850 points in a day because, you know, a vaccine could be on the rise and is imminent with a, one of our customers, we all, it just really hits home. And we when we get together on Zoom and stare at one another, there's a lot of applause and we're hitting that little icon of clapping as we're looking at each other instead of face to face. but we're just so proud of our customers. and a lot of customers that we've had relationships with for 10 or 15 years where it's a great relationship. We're doing our, our, our daily work. but it doesn't always hit home on how critical. Uh, some of these uh, drugs and vaccines are when, you know, literally this is affecting the entire globe and we have something to do with it. So uh, I think, you know, that's how it, it it affects our organization. We become hugely passionate over, you know, our audit team works a little longer. Our content team that reviews the audit reports gets it a l- done a little faster. It just is a huge shot in the arm uh, for our organization where, when we're involved in something that important it's almost akin to you know world war ii where u.s companies had to step up and 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 bring machinery and things of that nature to defend our our troops overseas we get that same vibe uh now when we're doing our part to expedite uh you know vaccines being released for global safety so it's exciting
0: absolutely and it sounds like a lot of a lot of teamwork you you guys have really built a good team to be able to check on all of the details that we need in supply chain to you know really save those lives that we're talking about in this episode so martin you talked about generics um, I think you've got a lot of experience in generics can you tell us the story around generics and what we are missing and maybe how supply chain can help I know that there's a a lot of challenges in this area and i think that if supply chain professionals uh know a little bit more they're able to to help a little bit more as well
1: yeah i guess i will use uh, the new company that uh i'm the ceo of so civic rx was founded in september of 2018 and our mission is to really solve drug shortages and a big piece of that is been to understand the ecosystem around why there are drug shortages and what's causing it in the ecosystem. And it basically comes down to we have a broken economic model. I described it earlier about the price becoming so low that manufacturers are lengthening their supply chains, taking away redundant manufacturing, get a, rid of their safety stocks, and not being able to meet surges in demand or events that happen in their supply chain. And so clearly, understanding the model, Civica has changed the way we do business. So the marketplace is working just like it should work in a commodity market. So if you think about oil, for example, when the price of oil gets so low, People stop drilling for oil. they stop lifting it out of the ground, and when the price gets really high they they then restart production well that 's how a commodity market works. Do we want to treat our essential generic medications as commodities i don 't believe that's what we should do, and so in civica's business model it's one create that safety stockpile, create that redundancy, work with high quality suppliers and try to shorten the supply chain as, as to the shortest possible, simplest supply chain you can have that becomes robust. And we've been able to do that in our business model and we're not even two years old yet. And we've already launched 40 medications, that are essential and critical for the use in hospitals every day. And 10 of those medicines we use are used for treating patients with COVID. And I'm really proud to say that we were able to deliver every dose for every patient who needed it when they needed it for our member hospitals. And so I'm really proud of that. But for a supply chain professional I think the most important thing is to realize when is it okay to use just-in-time inventory techniques and when it's, a, when it's inappropriate and leads to disasters. So it's one thing if you're building a car and the parts are really big and you're doing just-in-time inventory, so you, one, have a place to put the parts, but two, to manufacture an automobile at the most economic price, it's not appropriate when you make medications. And so when supply chain professionals go to work from one industry to the other, they have to recognize not all industries are the same and you can't apply every solution that you know of to the same problem in a different industry.
0: You are absolutely right. And that is such amazing advice. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of conversation around just in time versus just in case. And then, you know, supply chain leaders are really faced with a lot of of questions, right? And they're looking at their strategies and, you know, what they're going to be doing moving forward, offshoring, nearshoring, inventory management, you know, just in time versus just in case, which is what you just said. And I think that going through that process, it's really important for them to reach out to the specialists in the the individual areas that can help them that can come in and say hey you know this is this is where we think you should make some changes here's why and how we can help and really start collaborating with those partners that are out there like an sqa so mike i want to turn this over to you why is quality so important Um, we've talked a little bit about that but maybe just tie it all together for us when we think about saving lives and what do companies like sqa bring to the table
2: yeah, before I jump into that, I just want to get back to what Martin was saying, because I have such pride uh, to work with Martin over the years, because it takes a rare breed to work with companies like Abbott and Amgen for you know decades and then have, frankly, the guts to turn around and start a generic organization as awesome as Civica, and to, in some ways, compete with his former employers, I just look at him in awe. He's a huge mentor of mine, and it's really fun to see him succeed and to do the right thing for industry. When you have, you know, other pharma companies that are, you know, um, you look at monopolies and you know price gouging, and you look at twelve. Uh, 12,000% price increases for different uh, drugs or technologies. And then you got a guy like Martin leaning forward, doing the right thing. It I just wanted to uh, to give that proper proper due.
0: Absolutely. So then um, talk to us a little bit about, a little bit more about why quality is so important um, when we think about saving lives and what do companies like SQA bring to the table?
2: Yeah, so when you look at, at covid and you look at recent, um, you know, let me just get really personal. You know, my parents, 84, 86 years old, I'm seeing them change every day, uh, their their habits, um, what they are able to do, what they're not able to do. And, you know, I haven't seen my parents in several weeks, and so I want to see them again. And the fact that we're involved in expediting, um, you know, different vaccines that could, uh you know, bring uh, some good news to the world that frankly needs it right now? I mean, what's more important than that? You know, my my mom had a um, pacemaker put in and I walked into the hospital room and I'm looking at all of our customers in there. I'm looking at a striker orthopedic bed that she's sitting in and it drives home the quality. Everything that she's being treated with in that hospital room, it, it brings it really, really home. Um, So every life is important. You look at that, the fact that we're playing a role in that, the quality of all those products, all those medications that anybody's parents are taking, it it, it has to be of the highest level of quality. And I, I can't speak to, I can't speak about it any more clearly than that, Sarah.
0: Yeah. And that's a really great example. And you really bring it home for the audience, right? Even if you're not in supply chain, you're not a supply chain professional, the quality around healthcare matters. And it matters to every single person out there. And I'm sure that they could resonate definitely with, with, that, with that story. So finally, I want to ask you, because in the last episode, we talked about your Quality Is campaign. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really been a great campaign. Your customers love it, your suppliers love it, um, and it really showcases what quality is and what it really means to different industries. So as you look into the future of life sciences, how does quality fit into the supply chain and how important is it as we move into the future?
2: Yeah, the concept of quality is is very near and dear to us and every year all of our employees, um, we survey them on you know, things that we're involved in and try to get their ideas about how we touch quality in all these different creative ways. And so for five years, we've been sending out calendars every month is dedicated to a different theme. Uh, I think of quality cures, which is in our 2020 calendar. Uh, Quality is precise. You know, one's involving a team of surgeons that are doing, you're performing surgery via technology where someone in a foreign country is training somebody on a on a facet of, you know, in, improving their surgical uh, skills at using mm-hmm. technology in that capacity. And, and, you know, we're involved with these companies. And so, um, you know, that's something, it's not always easy, uh, you know, making, you know, selling quality assurance, third-party inspection and auditing services. It's, it's a little bit, uh, it gets a little bland and long in the tooth. But when you talk about the end result, and we, we, you know, when I walk into Germany and I meet with Bayer executives, and I walk into their respective offices, and they have our calendar proudly on display, and I say, "Gosh, I didn't know you guys would put that up." So They say, "We don't, we don't miss any of these. This really, they use it in their departments to talk about passion to their employees about how important quality is." And that was really the the genesis of of uh, creating that that uh, that marketing campaign, if you will.
0: Amazing. Amazing. So, Martin, do you want to jump in here and talk a little bit more about uh, or just, just sort of give us some closing comments about quality and how it's going to be important moving forward?
1: Well, you know, I I, I have a quality professional for many years. And the way I think of quality is, you know, the what but, but, uh, Dr. Duran and Dr. Deming always preached, right? That you build in quality, that you design a robust product or process, you implement it flawlessly by providing employees the tools they need to be successful, you you engineer out human error, and at the end of the day, you get a high-quality product. And you get it at a lower cost than if you have to constantly have rejects and high defect rates and even product recalls. And so to me, when I think about quality, I think about something that was designed with quality in mind. And that the only thing that happens now is the execution and then engineering a supply to try to minimize human error. And so to me, that's what quality is. Quality is what the customer expects. You know, you have to delight the customer. That, to me, is quality. In the pharmaceutical business, uh, that means that my drug has to be pure, has to be the right potency, it has to be safe. And that also means, from a government perspective, that I comply with all of their regulations that they believe is necessary for me to produce a quality product. But at the end of the day, if there's no quality, you don't have safety and you can't cure patients in our business. And so I think that's why it is so important in our pharmaceutical industry that we really emphasize product quality.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and what a powerful ending to our discussion today. So as we have heard today in life sciences and when it comes to protecting consumers, supply chains combined with top quality have a heavy hand in saving lives, especially with what we are going through during the pandemic and what our new normal will look like. We will definitely be more reliant on quality and on supply chains. For more information about SQA, visit them at SQA Services. Dot .com thank you to mike and to martin for joining me on the show today i love the passion and from the stories i heard today i really can't believe what you have seen join us for the next episode in this series coming up next next week about high stakes in the technology industry. We will be talking about the internet going down, Google, MRI machines, and how to avoid defects from the start of the supply chain to create resilience. Thank you guys for coming on the show today.
1: Thanks, Sarah. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot.